Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. We're going to be talking today about an FLSA exemption, so a thing that you don't have to pay overtime and minimum wage. And the reason is, is because the WHD released a bunch of notices on this. I know it's been a little heavy this week on, on this topic, but a lot's been changing because of the way the uh, Department of Labor has uh, issued a lot of new regulations, <coughs> or clarifications anyway. So let me do a little background. Under the FLSA, employees are entitled to be paid a minimum wage for each hour worked and to be paid one and a one half time their regular rate of pay for each hour in excess of 40 hours worked in a work week. Some states, of course, have slightly different regulations, maybe eight hours in a day. Beyond that, they get paid double or uh, one and a half times, things like that. But generally, that's the federal rule. The determination of whether someone has to be paid that normally follows the federal rule as well. So even if the hours may be slightly different, whether you have to do it or not, whether they're exempt from it, follows the federal rule. Certain employees are exempt from these requirements, including employees who are employed in a bona fide executive, administrative, administrative or professional capacity, or in the capacity of an outside salesman. The Secretary of Labor, exercising the power delegated to and define, to define and limit those terms, created a three-part test to determine which employees qualify as exempt professionals. First, the salary basis test. With certain exceptions not applicable here, the employees must be compensated on a salary or fee basis. Compensation on a salary basis means receiving each pay period a predetermined amount that is all or part of the employee's compensation on a weekly or less frequent basis that is not subject to reduction because of variations in the quantity or quality of work. All those different pieces go into is the salary basis. Second, the salary level test. The salary paid must meet a specific minimum amount. With certain exemptions not applicable here, that amount must be at least 684 per week. Again, some states are higher, but federal 684 per week. Third, this is the duties test, and this is the primary one. The employee's primary duty must be, must be to perform work that requires either knowledge of an advanced type in a field of science or learning, customarily acquired by, prolonged, by a prolonged course of specialized intellectual instruction, or invention, imagination, originality, or talent in a recognized field of artistic or creative endeavor. An alternative to this three-part test for this particular uh, exemption, either the uh, learned professional or creative exemption, which is what they're primarily talking about here, is the highly compensated employee test. Because a high level of compensation is a strong indicator of an employee's exempt status, the highly compensated employee test eliminates the need for a detailed analysis of the employee's job duties. Under that test, an employee qualifies exempt of, as exempt if the employee customarily and regularly performs at least one of the exempt executive, administrative, professional, learned, creative duties and receive a total compensation of at least $107,432 a year. The total compensation must include at least 684 per week 
paid on a salary or fee basis as well. The FLSA exemptions are just as much a part of the FLSA's purpose as the minimum wage and overtime pay requirements, and therefore must receive a fair rather than narrow interpretation. The Wage and Hour Division therefore interprets the Act neither expansively or narrowly, but instead according to conventional canons of statutory construction. So here's the case. Now that we've got some background, here's the example that generated this case. A guy wrote into to the WHD and uh, had a letter, and the letter is in response, uh, the letter requests uh, a clarification on a particular compensation scheme. So the WHD responds in a letter, and that's what we're talking about. The WHD's letter is in response to a request where the client writes on behalf of a company that furnishes executive education to a variety of companies. The company's employees, the ones that, that we're asking about, performs two types of duties. The first, which the letter refers to as delivery work, consists of presenting the education program to the client companies, operating the interactive models that are part of the program, and evaluating the results of the participants. Second, which, you which the letter refers to as development work, consists of creating new content and interactive models for the programs. You state that delivery work is the employee's primary duty and that it requires a constant and consistent exercise of discretion and judgment and look for clarification there. The employee's work on the company is almost exclusively part-time, though some work on a nearly full-time basis and other work as few as 15 days per year. You describe them as highly educated and state that they must have advanced knowledge in business finance and, audit educa and adult education. Among the qualifications prescribed for the employee are master's degrees in finance, accounting, and learning, or business discipline. A PhD is preferred but not required. The employees are also required to have, among other qualifications, at least 10 years of practical business experience in an executive leadership role and deep hands-on experience in Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel, including VBA programming. That's a big profile. The company's employment agreement states that the company will offer to each employee opportunities for delivery or development work from time to time. The employees are not required to accept an offered opportunity. The company is not required to offer a minimum number of opportunities. For delivery work, the company pays a flat daily rate of $1,500 per day, exclusive of board, lodging, and other facilities. Each delivery work program lasts at least one day. For development work, the company pays $50 per hour, again, exclusive of board, lodging, and other facilities. Employees are not paid during weeks in which they perform neither delivery nor development work. So here are the questions asked, four of them. First, are the employees' primary duties those of learned professionals? under 29 CFR 541-301. Are they learned professionals? Yep. Second, do the company's payments for delivery work satisfy the salary basis requirement for the learned professional exemption? So the delivery work is the $1,500 per day. Third, assuming the employees are otherwise exempt from the FLSA overtime pay requirements, does the hourly development work, the 50 buck per hour work, affect their exempt status? That's a good question. Fourth, can a part-time employee qualify as exempt if the employee's pay for the number of weeks worked is proportional to the maximum, to the minimum annual amount required on the highly compensated employee test? So that would be, they make $1,500 a day. If they worked all day, that'd be $300,000 a year. They should qualify for exempt. They only work 15 days. Can we call them exempt? I'll cut to the chase, no. But all right, let's go through them one at a time. <clears throat> First, uh, are they learned professionals? Learned professional duties are those that require advanced knowledge in a field of science or learning, 
that is customarily acquired through a prolonged course of specialized intellectual instruction. Based on the description, absolutely, the employee duties are likely to qualify. Uh, advanced knowledge. The work requires advanced knowledge if it's predominantly intellectual in character and includes the consistent exercise of discretion and judgment. Uh, since this work generally includes analyzing, interpreting, making deductions from varying facets or circumstances, uh, the employee's primary duty here, delivery work, involves lecturing on a number of leadership and related business disciplines, presenting hypothetical scenarios to corporate executives, and critiquing and evaluating those executives' responses, that absolutely meets the criteria. Uh, one of the things is that it has to be in a field or science or learning. These include tra traditional professions and occupations similar to the professions that have a recognized professional status, as distinguished from mechanical arts or skilled trades. That's the distinguishment. The regulations cite accounting, teaching, and actuarial computation as examples. So yeah, this falls under that. The employee's delivery duties include teaching advanced finance and business-related material to executives and evaluating and quantifying executives' work. That, therefore, we conclude that the advanced knowledge required to perform these duties is in a field of science or learning. So we've hit all the boxes. Specialized intellectual instruction is another key part of that. This restricts the learned professional exemption to occupations where specialized academic training is a standard prerequisite. This prerequisite is satisfied here as the employees are required to have master's degrees in a relevant field to qualify for employment. So uh, that's been routinely concluded that a position that requires a degree in a specific field directly related to the position's duties and requires the employee to apply that knowledge gained in the course of earning the degree satisfies the learned professional exemption. So, now, let's go to the next thing. This is the more complicated one. So are they learned professionals? Of course. They're masters and PhDs, lecturing, teaching, evaluating. They're learned professionals. The question is, do the company's payments for delivery work satisfy the salary basis test? Under the plain language, this is $1,500 per day is what they pay for this stuff. Under the plain language of the regulation, to satisfy the salary basis test, an employee must receive each pay period a predetermined amount that is all or part of the employee's compensation on a weekly or less frequent basis that is not subject to reduction because of variations in the quantity or quality of work performed. The company's payments for delivery work do not meet that test. First, the payments for delivery work are not a predetermined amount. They may be as low as $1,500 during a work week in which the employee performs only one week, one day, or they may be more than $10,000 for the week if they work every day. Second, the amounts are not calculated on a weekly or less frequent basis. They are based instead on the number of days worked. The Fifth Circuit recently addressed a similar question. Holding that an employee paid a daily rate with no minimum weekly guarantee is not paid on a salary basis. So this has been examined by the courts. The Hewitt plaintiff, like the employee here, was paid a per day of work. The court summarized the plain language of the salary basis test as requiring that an employee know the amount of his compensation for each weekly or less frequent pay period during which he or she works before he works. The Hewitt plaintiff, however, had to take the number of days he worked, past tense, and multiply by the operative daily rate to determine how much he earned, thus knowing his pay only after he worked through the pay period. He did not receive a predetermined amount on a weekly or less frequent basis. Rather, he received amount contingent on the number of days he worked each week and was therefore not paid on a salary basis. The court further supported this conclusion by noting that an exempt employee must receive the full salary for any week in which the employee performs any work without regard to the number of days or hours worked. So we've talked about this with our FLSA stuff. If someone's FLSA exempt and they work one hour during the week and you decide, determine that we're going to do 
uh, a furlough midweek, you owe them for the whole week. One hour of work, it's by week. The Hewitt plaintiff, however, like the employee here, was paid on a daily rate. So he was paid with, with, not without, regard to the number of days or hours worked, in a in, which is in direct conflict with the plain language of the stat, stat, salary basis test. So these are not salaried people, according to the FLSA, because <clears throat> they're paid a flat daily rate. The question is, <coughs> part three is, sorry, do the development work payments, the 50 bucks an hour, affect the status of an exempt employee? If the employees were otherwise exempt, learned professionals, like if they were, if they were, because you paid them right, the development work payments would not affect their status. We take your use of otherwise exempt to mean only that if the employee qualified as exempt, learned professionals, i.e. they satisfied the salary and duties test, which they didn't, when the development work payments were, were not considered, would they retain that status if those hourly payments were considered? If the employees were exempt, they would be paid a fixed amount on a weekly or less frequent basis uh, that would not vary based on the quantity or quality of their work. According to that fixed salary amount, additional payments for each hour of development work they performed would not change their status as long as the employee is guaranteed to receive at least the minimum required salary on each work week on a salary basis. The employer may pay the employee additional compensation on a commission, flat, bonus, straight time, or other basis on top of it, on top of their salaries, if they'd like. This would include a per hour payment for each work of development work in this case. The employees here, however, are not paid on a salary basis, so the premises of the question would not be satisfied. Now, this is another big one, and I get this question a lot for some reason, but proportional payments to part-time employees do not satisfy the highly compensated employee test. There are two compensated, this is the fourth part of their question, there are two compensation requirements to qualify as exempt under the highly compensated employee test. Neither of them varies based on an employee's part-time or full-time status. The employee must receive a minimum salary, currently $684 per week, federally, higher in some states, on a salary or fee basis. The employee must receive annual compensation of at least $107,432 to qualify as highly compensated. The only exception to this requirement is that an employee who begins work after the year starts or leaves work before the year ends may be paid total compensation proportional to the amount of the year that the employee worked for the employer. The regulations include no exception for part-time employees, neither in the sense of working fewer than 40 hours per week, nor in the sense of working some weeks but not others. An employee satisfied the highly compensation employee test only by satisfying in full the weekly and annual compensation requirements. So for those reasons, the letter concluded that the employees likely performed exempt learned professionals duties, that the employees' payments for delivery work do not satisfy the salary basis test, that the development work payments would not result in the loss of otherwise applicable professional exemptions, and that the highly compensated employee test cannot be satisfied by payments proportional to the amount of work performed by a part-time employee. That's a lot there, but I hope you can think about your compensation design and go, yeah, this works, or no, it doesn't. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at People Processes. Go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe, and get some of our subscriber-only content. And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.